0: Welcome to PJ Live, the podcast. Our mission is simple. We want to spend time talking to interesting people about interesting topics. This podcast is not just for PJ members, it's for anybody who is interested in the game of golf. Without further ado, here's today's episode.
1: For every day that passes, we're becoming more aware of the importance of climate change on the planet and the need for golf to address its impact on the environment. Today, we're going to discuss some long term sustainability measures that golf clubs can make now that will deliver enhanced profitability and efficiency in the future. I'm joined by Liam Greasley, Chief Executive of Green Club and Andy Brown, Global Business Development and Relationships of Toro. Okay, great to have you both here today. Um, Perhaps I'll start with you, Liam, just to give us a slight background to
2: Green Club and what are the key principles behind the business? Thanks, David. Um, you know, I think the, the, the background to w- why Green Club e- exists is um, pertinent to all of us. Uh, the issue of climate change is becoming increasingly important in all our lives, and uh, the need for action uh, is being championed by the likes of David Attenborough and Swedish teenager Greta Thunberg and many others, and obviously the United Nations have formed the uh, Framework Convention for Climate Change uh, and uh, the, the subsequent Paris Agreement, uh, which encouraging all of us to take action to uh, become more carbon neutral by 2030, um, and we felt that there was a, a, a need within our industry, golf and leisure, to uh, 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 have a, an organisation that would uh, uh, connect w- with each of the the uh, um, with properties to help them understand uh, what the opportunity and need is around the area of environment and sustainability. There's an awful lot of um, uh, talk around the subject matter, but actually having an organisation that understands golf and can bring together uh, experts within the industry to affect uh, uh, and accelerate change to becoming much more environmentally responsible and ultimately helping businesses become more profitable and sustainable so that those um, facilities we enjoy today are, uh, are healthy and strong and available for the generations to come and that was really the principle for um, uh, green club's existence um, in, in a broad sense the areas that the green club focus on our uh, sustainability which is really more aligned to the uh, efficiency of your current infrastructure and plant uh, assessing what fuels uh, that you use um, and what policies and procedures you have within your business that would have an impact on uh, the environmental question and then equally then in terms of innovation um, all our lives are, are pretty much controlled now through digitally digital electrically powered uh, systems, whether it's on your mobile phone, tablet, or by other means, and the demand for electricity is going to only get higher. In the same way that um, your, your your club members are becoming more discerning, there is a uh, almost a requirement to have uh, electric vehicle charging points on on site and in the future. And Andy will allude to this is the development of your greenkeeping equipment um, uh, will require us to look at um, battery storage solutions. Um, and all of this needs to be aligned to the development plans um, uh, that the your, your facility may well have. Um, and the, th- the third element which is, is incredibly relevant is, is the opportunity to generate your own renewable uh, green energy, um, so that you're less reliant on the grid. Um, it would be fair to say that some um, recent studies shown that only 30% of Europe's uh, electricity need currently is um, uh, is produced by uh, through uh, renewable green means and 65% is still uh, reliant on fossil fuels. And obviously, while we've made some good inroad, uh, golf as an industry has a great opportunity to uh, make a difference. Um, and at the same time, obviously become much more uh, profitable and, and responsible as a, as an industry. Um, and uh, the, the fourth element is really more importantly, I think, from your day-to-day business needs is to provide uh, facilities with accreditation with uh, that uh, and certainly environmental social uh, relationship statements that I think you know, identify their commitment to uh, improving um, the their emissions and um, uh, to be doing the right thing for the planet. So, Um, We offer a broad consultative approach. Uh, We're very much collaborative uh, in uh, in the way that we engage. And um, the the question that we really like to ask every venue is, uh, how can we help? Uh, So hopefully that's a a little bit of a a potted background, if you like, uh, on on Green Club and and really the area in which we're um, engaged. Very good, Liam. I
1: guess my my, my question to, to both of you and Andy, I'll, I'll come to you first, and Liam, you can you can feed into this question. From your point of view, you know, what are the key issues facing the golf industry from a environmental and sustainability uh, point of view?
0: Um, well, I think I think everybody, every club is is aware of the challenges that they've got in terms of of meeting their, if you like, their sustainability um, objectives. You know, that's something which has really come to light over the last. Decade more so in the last five years or so that you know the word sustainable and sustainability has been, you know, very much a, a buzzword. But for me, sustainability can be has to be slightly broader than than an interpretation, you know, that some people might use. For me, a golf club to be sustainable, there's sort of three key elements to it, which I think need to be in balance. Um I mean, obviously, we are talking about the environment, the management of the environment in a in a. In a positive way a sustainable way and that's definitely a very very big key part of it you know there are a lot of regulations that have come into effect with the use of chemicals the reduction in the use of water and various other inputs which you know golf clubs must take uh, account of and, and and must sort of build an environmental policy around but then you've got two other elements that are equally as important in in the overall sort of business of the golf club and that's. You know, ensuring that the, the standard of the golf course is such that the players, members and guests are willing to pay to play, because mm-hmm. if they're not, then clearly there is going to be an issue there in terms of the financial management of the club. And of course, the third part then is the overall financial management of the club. You know, can the club balance its books? whilst managing both its environmental obligations and and objectives and meeting the player expectations so those three elements are in constant tension if you like it's not a it's not a it's a dynamic situation so at any given time over a year or over a number of years one or more of those might have hold sway so you might not have the resources to do some of the projects on the environmental side you might like alternatively new regulation might come in, which changes your business model. Um, I mean, obviously we've had something happen this year, which has been extraordinary, and clubs have had to look at their business model ac- accordingly. Um, but it's, it's for me, that's really important to keep that in mind, that sort of balance of those three elements. Um, water use is, is massive, of course, and we're going into a hot part of the year now here in the UK, uh, which seems hard to believe when you think about some of the months we've had coming up to this. But, you know, very, very quickly, water mm. will become an issue for golf clubs. far too many golf clubs are still using mains water for their irrigation mm. in fact it's, it's by far the majority still which is which is not is not sustainable because obviously we need that water for housing and for other uses um so we need more water storage we need better use of those resources um and we need for instance in in other areas like you know better grass types that that don't use as much water and, and things like that um and then productivity you know golf courses need to get more out of what they have whether that's physical or financial resources you know to make their business case sustainable again using that word um and, it, and it's you know all of these things come into play for clubs today
1: yeah i guess it's a it, it's more of a informed uh educated approach to it um just because it's a way that we've been doing this at the golf course for decades and um, that 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 seems to be the way that um, it, you know needs to be done moving forward. And you mentioned about selecting the right grass, I mean that can reduce resource inputs by fifty percent or more. so it's uh, this whole adage that you know to be more sustainable it's going to cost me more is 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 completely a false narrative. Oh,
0: no, that's I mean that's that's absolutely patently not true and mm. and if you go about it correctly and you look at all the different aspects of a golf course operation and look at, you know, you've heard of the term in sport of you know incremental gains, you know, mm-hmm. micro gains and things like that. Well, in terms of golf, there are huge gains to be made by making some fundamental changes. And then there are always incremental gains that can be made. So you know, for many courses, I mean, again, I go back to irrigation because we're we're in the summer now. and you know every golf course that I think you could put your hand on your heart and say, You could probably reduce the amount of water that's put onto a golf course by at least 10 if not 20 percent, and you'd do nothing but improve the turf and playing conditions and you'd reduce your water bill at the same time you know that's just because of the the inefficiencies of the systems the um the way in which they're often managed you know using time rather than volume or, or or application depth you know some basic changes that could be made and and as a result, people tend to over irrigate purely because it's on the safe side, if you like, mm. of watering as opposed to. But you know doing something like that is is a very, very simple change that can be made.
1: and And obviously, with your experience with Toro, I know you you get to travel travel the globe and and see how you know different countries uh, clearly in different climates, so that that needs to be remembered. but you know, which kind of countries stand out to you to be, you know, very forward thinking in the way that they approach, you know, water management?
0: Well, I think the key difference, you know, the world is split into two areas, really. Areas where you just use irrigation for supplemental irrig- uh, watering, so in other words, yeah. the northern climates generally, yeah. um, and then you've got what we would traditionally call the Sunbelt regions where obviously you need irrigation if you're going to grow grass for sport or indeed anything else. So. You know, the areas where water is getting expensive, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of attention on it for obvious reasons. Um, But equally in the north now, the pressures are in it from a different way. You know, it's not necessarily because even water is is maybe not so scarce yet, but it's likely to get more scarce. It's just the pressures on that water are growing, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, housing and and, and agriculture and things like that. And there is an expectation, (laughs) excuse me, on golf, to be responsible for its use of water you yeah. know and we have a duty to do that
1: yeah it's a huge amount of land to to make sure that it's it's got the right uh, amounts of water but um yeah we're talking about a huge environment environmental impact on uh you know keeping these golf courses um up and up and running into to a, to a you know very high level and you know with climate change it's going to be a, a massive issue moving forward so it's about being proactive in this space rather than reactive and I guess, Liam, just just on your perspective, you know, the key issues facing golf clubs, perhaps, you know, we've just touched on there about the actual physical golf courses, but from the actual facilities and the and the buildings, um, you know, there's some big issues facing us uh, in that area as well.
2: There there are, David, and and taking Andy's point, really, um, you know, it is incumbent on us to really consider um, what the appropriate actions are for us for each facility as a business. I mean, every facility has its his own unique uh, footprint it has its own unique uh, infrastructure uh, and, uh, and scale um, and uh, you know in a lot of cases what's being done on course is um, uh, uh, you're progressing uh, quite well uh, but at the same time there are great assets that venues have that they don't necessarily currently take mm. advantage of so if it's spare land space, or spare roof space that you've never considered doing anything with. Mm. Is there an opportunity to generate your own solar, solar or power or if if appropriate, a wind turbine or others. And in the same way, you know, historically, and please excuse me to all those um, that are listening, golf, uh, in terms of clubhouses and facilities has historically not been the best uh, invested um, uh, properties over the years. So when you're looking at uh, replacing that 50-year-old gas boiler, or you're looking at replacing your h uh, system, or even your lighting down to LED. Really, what we want to do is try and change the narrative, encourage people to think of um, the, the environment and their own uh, efficiencies um, and, and at the very forefront of their thinking. So you know, in, 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 irrespective of whether it's on course or off course, um, you know, give you a good example, you know, we were talking earlier before starting about um, you know, the carbon footprint of a golf course. If you could find a spare acre of land or roof space in it or, or a combination of both, that's worth 100, 100 tonnes uh, reduction in emissions uh, every year. Uh, not least of all, uh, the reduction in your overheads as a result. So as Andy pointed out, you know, the financial management and obligations are incredibly important. And actually, the cost benefit of engaging um, in uh, you know, developing a roadmap, considering what is appropriate for your business has never been more important, not least of all, because if we delay that, um, it's going to be harder to catch up, and it's going to be much more expensive. And unfortunately, what that means is that the facilities will likely have uh, less resource to reinvest in the property at a time where uh, club members, visitors, and otherwise are are uh, uh, you know, becoming more demanding, um, and we already have examples of um, uh, clubs where historic relationships with clients who've had corporate days and events for years are choosing not uh, to perhaps to consider uh, alternative venues because you don't have, that the venue you come to doesn't have an environmental policy that aligns to their own values. So. This is something that is, you know, is 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 vitally important. Not just um, in terms of the detail and practical elements of what needs to be done, but also from a planning perspective, uh, and actually being able to realise how, by engaging in environmental um, uh, uh, responsible initiatives, what you're really doing is is you're making your business more profitable and more attractive, mm. and that's where working with the likes of Toro and Green Club uh, can really help across across the whole piece.
1: Yeah, Indeed it is it's about creating that energy strategy and really sitting down with as you say the likes of Green Club and uh, Toro to really see right what have we got currently at the moment and how can we kind of uh, evolve that strategy to yeah. effectively make, make us more sustainable but make the the business more attractive and more profitable and efficient so it's uh, you know, key thing for for PJ members and golf clubs. Um, if they were, you know, PJ members listening to this today, um, thinking how how can we future proof not only the industry but but their golf clubs? What would you say to that, Liam?
2: Well, I think it is primarily about understanding where we are today and 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 considering what the club's goals are. The, the PJ pro is a an integral part of the fabric of of, of the golf club and the business. Um, and um, often that entrepreneurial spirit, that that um, um, broader thinking, is 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 something that's not really taken advantage of. But when you're looking at your club as a whole and considering not just impacts on the planet, but actually the, the, the financial sustainability of your business, um, it's difficult sometimes to consider with adv- how quickly technology is advancing. You know, for say where where will we be in ten years time? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what what will what will the world look like and what do we, you know, what, what is our aspiration? But I think the first thing that that um, I would highly recommend to anybody is that is that uh, either form uh, a sustainable committee, which many clubs have done, or at least start the conversation around um, you as a your, your venue and the, your aspirations. Um, making a commitment is it requires at the outset that you're publishing your own environmental policy statement and tell the world about it because that's basically your competitive fundamentally your competitive edge also in terms of the roadmap where where are we now Uh, there needs to be a form of survey carried out to understand what that uh, where you are and also what the kind of low-hanging fruit they are in terms of your particular facility do you have spare space do you have you know, a need for, you know, we might already have electric um, uh, carts, for argument's sake. We know you're going to have uh, electric or hybrid greenkeeping machinery. What is it you're going to put in place over a period of time to enable you to accommodate those improvements in, in the industry? And um, you, that, that those recommendations that come out of a, a basic survey, form the road the basis of a roadmap to enable you as a club to get from a to b and each element of that roadmap can be measured but equally as technology and other opportunities arise along that time period um, that roadmap can be amended it could be considered to be your environmental business plan Mm. it will connect with green keeping equipment it'll correct connect with your clean air technology that you might use in that inside uh, you, it will connect with your ability to generate uh, um, your own green uh, renewable energy and all the other elements that really reflect your particular business. I think what it would be fair to say it's a subject that is talked about lots, but actually when it comes down to um, perhaps you know, the ability to put something in place and also get the buy-in of your, your staff, your members, your clients, um, it's no, it's not by surprise that you know, the Ryder Cup bid now will require a venue to be delivered carbon mm. neutrally. It's mm. not, you know, the, the R&A are heading the same way with the Open Championship. We've got examples in the, the Salt House Hotel in Ballycastle in Northern Ireland, uh, which was built to be one hundred percent energy efficient and carbon neutral. In mm. the same mm. way, new design is in incorporating eco smart technology, and it's not. All, I mean, the the planet is really important and what we do for for our future generations is absolutely paramount. But actually, all of this makes your business more efficient, more attractive and will improve your profitability, not reduce it. The real risk is not doing anything.
1: Yeah, I think I think this if you actually sit down as a business and look at all the elements that play into this narrative around sustainability, you know, energy use, waste water management plant and infrastructure heating lighting air conditioning mm-hmm. recycling single use plastics i mean it, the list goes on doesn't it and that's just from a you know focused at the clubhouse maybe but also onto the course as well andy um you know you're looking at your fleets you know what what kind of machinery you using it's if you put this list together for a golf club it's it's staggering isn't it
0: it is and that and that's why the the general manager today you know the professional general manager, whether that's a PGA pro that's moved into that role, or is or the PGA pro being part of that management team, is so absolutely vital, because you know they are the ones that should be able to advise the club committees and the board about you know what is going on out there in the in their part of the industry and how they can help the club build that long term strategy. Because you have to have it. Um You know, I think what's really fascinating from our part of, of, the, of the industry is just now how fast everything is moving. You know, I've been in, in this business now for over 20 years. And I think even from day one, we were talking about the move to electric vehicles, the move to hydrogen fuel cells, the move to autonomous machine, all of that stuff. We've been talking about it for 20 years. Mm. Well, now we can say with confidence that, you know, this, all that technology is coming and it's coming fast. And it's going to be available for every club if they choose to go down that route. It's up to the the industry, if you like, to explain the value of, of investing in that technology and giving the right information to clubs so that they can build that into their strategy. You know, you have to remember that once you've built a golf course, you know, the golf course itself and the clubhouse, the biggest expense a club will have is the regular investment in their equipment to maintain the golf course. You know, it can be very considerable descent depending on the size of the operation. So if you're looking at it every three, five, seven years, whatever the cycle is for your particular venue, you know, you need to be thinking about, well, okay, when when it comes around the next time, what should we be investing in? We can't just be doing the thing we've always done, you know, Mm -hmm. because this technology is moving so fast in the turn of one cycle, things will have changed. So, you know, we're introducing now fully electric ride on greens mowers for the for the first time, along with a number of other vehicles and and other machines that have gone electric, hybrid equipment as well. And that we're adding to that portfolio every year. And we've got, you know, long term invest investment and innovation strategies that will do that. Um, But, you know, it's not all coming on stream at the same time. It's coming in over time because that's how these things work. And the golf industry, remember, has had to play. Has had to play a waiting game if you like for these technologies to be developed elsewhere you know we're not big enough as an industry to be the leaders in the development of this technology so we're looking at the car industry we're looking at other forms of industries to develop the technology or the or the um the components but then we try to look at them and find the right place for them in our you know in our sector you know and 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 that's that's just part of the process but there are some really exciting things and you know liam's talked about you know clubs being able to generate their own electricity through, you know, solar panels and things like that. You know, I'm being regularly asked, you know, how do you design a maintenance facility for the future when we are potentially going to have all electric machines or or, or a combination, majority? You know, where are you going to get this electricity from? Where are you going to store it? How are you going to charge these machines? What's the operation going to look like? These are all things that have to be taken into account. But there's absolutely no doubt, and we're getting real-world data back now from from clubs that have been using some of these electric products um, in the real world right now, that you know the cost of operation operation for these machines is, you know, incredibly low compared to traditional machines. You know, to use a, a ride-on greens mower, fully electric ride-on greens mower today to mow, you know, 18 greens costs pennies. Because it's just the cost of the electricity, and it's and it's pennies, you know, mm-hmm. round about one one and a half kilowatts of fuel of, of electricity to mow 18 or more greens mm-hmm. at a, in a particular on a particular day. You know, that's that's really very very little, um, you know, compared to fuel, you know, traditional fuel diesel or petrol. And then probably the second biggest one is the fact that the service costs are just so low as well. You know, if you've got an electric vehicle, uh, which I have, you know, there are no costs to service it. There's no engine there's no fuel uh, there's no oil there's no you know belt there's no hydraulic fuel there's none of this stuff so there's very little to do so the cost of maintaining one of those machines is I mean a rough guess it's about five times less than a traditional mower so mm-hmm. you know you're buying a more expensive machine up front yes because you're buying the batteries yes because you're you know the investment might be slightly more in that respect but the operating costs are just so low in comparison and then you've got obviously all the other benefits of Lower noise and obviously emissions and the like. So you know, the the it's up to us to tell that story and to show the real world so that clubs can make informed decisions.
1: Yeah, and is, if you use the analogy as well of like a an old mobile phone from the nineteen nineties, yes, it worked. Yes, it it did calls, it, it did text messaging, um, the same as the um, the the smartphones of today. But the smartphones of today can do a plethora of other things as well. So it's that that analogy that you know, move into more smart connected products um, that also use sensors to collect real-time data on the, on the course. Um, it, 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 it's mind blowing unless you actually and that,
0: and that try it. Ab- absolutely, and, and that for us is really critical because the three things that we've been working on over the last sort of decade and going for, you know, smart connected products is, is a key part of that. Again, technology that's been developed elsewhere, particularly in the mobile phone industry, etc., and, and, and other IT areas. Where now you've got machines that can not only speak to each other, but they speak to a central hub, they download the information relating to their operation, their status, et cetera. So decisions can be made based on the information in the real time. And what we're trying to do is is provide um, data to a, a greenkeeper superintendent and the management team that allows them to make good decisions, you know, whether that's operationally right now, today, or investment going forward. So creating total cost of ownership calculations. Um, on the back of that you've got you know this whole move to renewable energy which you know Liam is is absolutely in the middle of and, and that's that's absolutely huge you know we will go there very much I think both as an industry and as a society it's it's coming and mm-hmm. it's happening right now and there are very good reasons to do it you know and of course for us that then leads into that final piece which which everybody wants and so talks about which is autonomous mowing and and you yeah. know the fact that you can have machines out there doing jobs we don't need people to be to be sitting on them so those three things for us have been you know interconnected and very much part of our strategy uh to help clubs be you know more efficient and 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 make better investment decisions
2: i think um is worth saying as well and you know, and, and and you know it's, it's fantastic to see the developments in 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 particularly the the greenkeeping spaces, as Andy's mentioned, and it would be fair to say probably the greenkeeping compound of the future will uh, be more akin to a Formula One racing garage than it will be a traditional uh, greenkeeping compound. Uh, just and and that's that's fantastic in itself. But it would also be fair to say that um, when the facilities, as I mentioned earlier on, about you know you're looking at upgrades or replacements. The technology today allows you to do that. Wouldn't you? So, if you replace your gas boiler with a um, with a, a, a hydrogen boiler, for argument's sake, so you be 70% less uh, electric, uh, fuel to run it, and three to five times the output. Similarly, with clean air technology, uh, uh, you can replace the current you know, historic AC, AC uh, program uh, with uh, technology that that um, has a similar reduction in, in fuel to to manage and run but will clean, heat and cool the air from something that's no bigger than a box of 12 uh, uh, twelve bottles of wine. So the, the advancements, and this is where really what we, we want to see, we want to be able to do is get under the covers of your, your property, talk to you about where you are now, uh, look at the opportunities that exist to not only make efficiencies, but obviously reduce your carbon footprint as a result. That in turn makes you much more sustainable going forward, uh, and also from a, a, a PR point of view, it's no surprise that people like Booking.com now have a green tab on their on their platform. So, and that that is basically properties that uh, meet their environmental requirements. And as as the as we come out of the pandemic, um, if it's done one thing, it's made people much more aware of their surroundings, their health and well being. And that's all ties into this, the whole objective in a you know, healthier world, cleaner world, better health, um, people who are more active and facilities that are remain open and uh, present the, the, the kind of experience that the modern golfer and you know, sports person really wants. Um, and that really needs to be a clear agenda for our future.
1: Very good. Very good. Well, I guess before we wrap up, it'd be good to kind of um, just signpost PJ members and, and our listeners today to how can they get the ball, um, you know, rolling on on making a change at their their golf facility. Um, so I'll come to you, Liam, first. I know there's a there's a fantastic uh, amount of information from a consultancy perspective on the Green Club website, same as Toro. But yeah. what would your initial um, tips to someone listening today that would like to take that first step?
2: I think, as you just mentioned, David, first of all, we, we're really delighted with our new website that was went live on Friday last week, which supersedes yeah. the, the previous. There's lots of info on there. Uh, and hopefully, uh, begins to get people thinking about a subject in, in their, their own particular space. Um, there's also a short survey. Um, it's no more than 10 minutes long. It's uh, on the front page of the website. But also, I know that PJ are going to uh, pre- uh, present that the membership following the podcast yes uh, which um uh, Andy and Toro will be directly involved with as well um and that the design of it is really to actually begin to start to understand um and get people thinking about the the uh, in environment in, in relation in terms of their own thoughts but also in terms of their own the business that they work in and how how it could be impacted Um, It's also a tool that the members can use with their own club members Mm. uh, for exactly the same reason, understand a little bit more about how people feel about this subject and uh, and how much they know about it. There's a a recent open venue, just to share this, that um, uh, conducted a a member survey towards the end of last year, and 88% of the respondents uh, highlighted the number one priority for their venue was to become carbon neutral and environmentally responsible. Um, and I think you know that's fantastic, but we've got to got to get beyond talking about it and actually make a commitment to to uh, to do that. Um, and we would be very very pleased to help any venue that would have an interest in uh, in supporting them on that journey. Um, but also, I think you know what it also does is it allows through that, that process to clearly identify the the the, the low hanging fruit. It may be around procurement, and maybe adopting a recycle policy in terms of your, your future retail stock, it might be one where single use plastics, and how do you how how does that get incorporated into your day to day operations, there are numerous things that uh, can be done. But as I said earlier, you know, obviously, each venue is unique in its scale, its infrastructure, its design, and um, you all everything that needs to be done has to be relevant to that particular uh, particular uh, facility. So um, the first and foremost, first thing that that anybody needs to do is make a commitment. (laughs) And uh, that commitment is is as simple as developing your policy statement that you can stand behind. And then over a period of time, put in place a a roadmap to get to ensure that you take advantage of not only the improvements that are available, but also do the right thing for uh, for the health of the planet.
1: Very good. Very good. And and, and the website, that's greenclub.energy. And, and and for any kind of email inquiries, if someone wants to get in contact, that's info at greenclub.energy. Um, it is, you say that that survey will be, you know, a nice natural place to start to kind of help shape what your uh, existing situation looks like and, and see how you can improve that. Um, and from yourself, Andy, um, you know, what would your first steps be to, to someone listening to this
0: today? Well, I think as as Liam uh, pointed out it, you know, the club needs to decide that it wants to do something first of all. And that's that's absolutely uh, number one. Um, and then build a strategy around it and look at the different elements of their operation. And, and as as Liam said, you know, look at the low hanging fruit. You know, you cannot do everything in one go. And mm-hmm. and, and some of it does require investment. And therefore, you know, you you have to plan for that. And, and our, whilst you're planning for that, use the experts around you wherever they come from to give you the best informed information. You know, talk to an irrigation consultant, you know, talk to someone that's doing this for a living so that they can really help you understand the benefits of how you can get more out of your irrigation system. You know, I talked about earlier right at the beginning about, you know, just cutting your irrigation back by 20 percent is, is probably not going to do anything but good for the golf course and your water bill. But equally, if you are thinking about investing in it, you know, then then what should you be thinking about? you know adding extra training for your staff auditing the system having a look at it making sure it's still working within specification those sort of things can be done every season should be done every season Um you know equally on the equipment side as I say you know it's a big investment so look at what you're doing look at your operation make sure you're making the course that you know you're able to meet your standards that you're trying to to develop and provide to your members and what is that going to cost going forward and look at you know test the products, make sure that you're doing the right thing, productivity, all the rest of it. These are things which operations generally are doing, but it's mm-hmm. just that much more important now because there are options out there which have never been available before. And, you know, We can be very conservative and slow to take on new technology, when particularly when there's a big investment, and I understand that. Um, but actually, there's some great options now which, which change absolutely the way that operations can go forward. So I'd say those are the thing, the questions that should be asked. The PGA Pro should be involved in those because, you know, you might say, well, OK, so why is the PGA Pro, why is it important? Well, for him because and her, because, you know, the members and guests that come are looking at the playability of the golf course, mm-hmm. you know, They're looking at the quality of the golf course. And all of that is impacted by the operation that's behind it, preparing the mm-hmm. golf course. So if you're reducing water use and therefore getting firmer turf and better playing conditions, well, that's good for your members, good for your guests. They like to play the course. Um, equally, if you are able to prepare the course more productively and more efficiently, well, then maybe you can get more players out there. Maybe you've got less downtime in days where you can't play and things like that. So, you know, their involvement, the PGA pros involvement is really very, very important to have those discussions with, you know, the superintendent and the club manager. You know, they are the, the triangle of management that are the professionals that really know how to to make the most out of their, their club
1: yeah indeed it's the virtuous cycle isn't it you know it it all kind of feeds into one another and i know sustainability has been a um it's long been a big part of your purpose and culture at at toro and fascinating um information on your website to um thetorocompany.com forward slash sustainability for for more information um so just want to say a big thank you to you liam and and andy we'll um we'll post a, a few links um out the back with this um podcast but um Really, really pleased that uh, you could join us today to discuss this uh, really interesting topic.
2: Cheers, David.
0: Yep, thanks David, enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe on your preferred platform so that you never miss an episode. If you have any suggestions for improvements, topics or guests, please email pgalive at pga.org.uk.